Uh, welcome back to the Herd It Here podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association. Uh, my name is Ashley Coles. I serve as the Vice President of Government Affairs for Nebraska Cattlemen. And joining us once again, uh, we have Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And we're going to talk briefly today about all the political shenanigans that took place right around the fiscal year end for the federal government. So Danielle, kind of give us the behind the scenes of what you guys did uh, with the NCBA office in DC and how it impacts members. And, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit also about the different types of bills that are floating around that sometimes get used you know, interchangeably. So let's start with the fiscal year end continuing resolution. Yes. So, uh, Ashley, it's important to keep in mind, we need to bucket these sort of four big items out because they're all very different, but they're all very important. And um, I think we have mentioned in the past that we're playing a weird game of whack-a-mole. While they're all very different, they're absolutely interchangeable because we can't do one without the other and vice versa. So I think first things first, it's important to mention that today uh, we are now in October and we have um, government funding through December 3rd. So that's a continuing resolution that funds all discretionary programs up until December. We also know um, in terms of our next bucket, the debt limit, that uh, we the Treasury has indicated that we will run out of uh, extraordinary measures that we can utilize and the U.S. will default on its debt obligations uh, come mid-October without any action. And so uh, the week of October 4th, the Senate um, at the end of the week actually came to an agreement on a temporary debt limit extension um, that will bring us to hopefully basically December 3rd, tying back the debt limit with the CR. Um, why those two issues were bifurcated out in the first place, I couldn't tell you, but there was no agreement on them. So uh, the Senate has already passed an agreement to lift that debt limit, and we anticipate the week of October 11th, uh, the House will then take up that bill, and uh, we will be in a good spot when it comes to um, the credit of the United States. So with those issues out of the way, that brings us to what happens on an infrastructure bill and a reconciliation bill. So um, as things go here in DC, there's what's being referred to as the BIF, it's Bipartisan Infrastructure Framework. And this is the bill that uh, is a bipartisan proposal. It's been supported in both the House and the Senate. It's languishing in the House right now. House, uh, a full vote in the House is the only thing standing in the way of this bill moving to the president's desk for signature. And this bill is going to be great for our producers. It does not include any tax hikes in order to pay for the initiatives in the BIF. Uh, it also includes, it's the bill that includes all of the wonderful uh, relief for our livestock haulers. It's got tremendous investments in broadband and a host of different initiatives that will really support uh, America's farmers and ranchers. And so NCPA has always supported the BIF. We think that it's a really important proposal. And it's one of those bills that, you know, didn't need to rely on a budget reconciliation process in order to move through the Senate because there was no filibuster on it. It's something that was supported by the majority of senators. So we really wanna see that bill pass, but unfortunately there is a lot of infighting in the Democratic Party right now. And the uh, ultra progressives are saying they're not gonna support the BIF until they see something move on the budget reconciliation bill, which is the human infrastructure proposal. 
moderates are saying they're not going to take a vote on the reconciliation bill because they don't know what that top line spending number is going to be. Ultimately, there are a couple holdouts in the Senate right now who are saying absolutely no to a $3.5 trillion social spending package. In the House, that $3.5 trillion package has already moved through all of the processes. The Budget Committee packaged all those bills together. It's just waiting on rules. And so right now there's a weird jockeying um, happening between the House and the Senate and the White House uh, in terms of what that final package would look like. It's very likely that the Rules Committee is going to start making cuts and trims across the board once a top tier number is agreed upon. Uh, we're hearing that that top number could be lowered anywhere from uh, between 1.9 trillion and 2.3 trillion. Uh, and if that's the way that things go, then there's going to be a trim and slash approach across the board for all of the spending initiatives. But it also means that some of the tax revenue raisers that were included in the House Ways and Means proposal are also going to get thrown out. Um, you know, that's a good thing, hopefully, for agriculture, but it doesn't mean that we're in the clear yet. So we are still continuing to leave no stone unturned and push for uh, sound tax policies for our producers. That was a really <laughs> long-winded explanation, Ashley. I That's all right. No, it was a really good explanation. I, I appreciate the way that you can simplify these things to a way that makes sense uh, to just about anybody. So, but going back to the price tag of those bills, so 1.9 to 3.5 trillion with a T. Um, is massive. And, and of course, when you talk about spending that much money, we do have to talk about tax proposals. So it was just a few short weeks ago, the House Ways and Means Committee did kind of work over some tax proposals. And, you know, we at Nebraska Cattlemen have been, you know, talking to our Nebraska delegation about the stepped up basis and, and, and all of those uh, important tax provisions that we want to preserve. So can you talk a little bit about those tax provisions, kind of where they sit right now, which pieces and parts um, have been preserved, which ones have been changed, and what more we need to do or who else we need to talk to in order to ensure that the, the tax provisions tax provisions of importance to our members um, stay where they're at. Absolutely. I'm going to start with the good news. So the good news is that the House Ways and Means Committee fully preserved stepped up basis and like kind exchanges. There are no changes to either of those provisions. That's a really, really positive thing. Additionally, they included a, an expansion of 2032A special use evaluations. Uh, 2032A is a section of the tax code that allows a producer to potentially lower their estate tax burden by valuing their land at its actual use rather than its highest and best use or fair market value. Right now, the reduction that you can take is capped in statute at 750,000 uh, index for inflation. That's 1.19 million. But under the House Ways and Means bill, you could potentially lower your state tax burden by valuing your land uh, at its actual use up to $11 million indexed. So that's a really positive proposal, but it's also important to keep in mind that 2032A doesn't work for everybody. There are very specific parameters around material participation. Um, it's it's not a, a good fit for every single producer out there. Now, pivoting over to the bad news, the reason 2032A was included is because the House does propose reverting the uh, death tax exclusion limits back to the levels they were prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So if you recall, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act set uh, the new TCJ, or excuse me, the new death tax levels at uh, 10 million per individual, 20 million per couple, indexed for inflation, those were temporary. They're set to revert back to 5 million an individual, 10 million per couple in 2026. 
the House proposal would do that immediately. They included 2032A as a means of offsetting um, any potential harm that that would result in, but we know that that's going to be really problematic regardless. I think we need to see permanency for the expanded TCGA limits, if not full permanent repeal of the death tax, because that impacts so many different agricultural producers out there, particularly those in the cattle industry. So that's not ideal. Um, the other proposal that I think is worth mentioning is uh, the valuation discount issue. And so the House Ways and Means Committee does propose eliminating what is what they're referring to as uh, quote unquote, non-economic valuation discounts. And so the simplest way to frame this out is there are a couple different discounts in the tax code, like lack of control, lack of marketability that allow you to value your family business at a, a different level, um, a reduced value for estate tax purposes based on you know, the complexity of your business structure. They tried to carve out um, a, a really targeted provision that only would impact passive assets. Uh, unfortunately, real estate would be considered a passive asset in the way that the language is written for our producers, because we know that a lot of ranchers have two different operating entities, one that owns all of the land and another that owns all of the active assets and leases the land from that passive landowning entity. Because of that structure, uh, the landowning entity might not get a valuation discount for estate tax purposes, and that is problematic. The good news is that we have some really wonderful champions uh, in both the House and the Senate who are working to fix this issue for us. Uh, Representative Adrian Smith from Nebraska, on the first day of the revenue raising markups during the technical questions uh, component of that hearing, he raised this issue with the head of the JCT and uh, was able to get a written response back from JCT. He's a wonderful champion uh, on behalf of agriculture and our producers in Nebraska are very lucky to have him. And I honestly feel very lucky to be able to work with that office too, because they are so strong on tax issues. Um, you know, other than that, I think uh, there are a couple, you know, minor changes um, to Section 199A, the small business deduction, another one to grant or trust. Um, the impact there sort of varies to pace, based on your own personal um, situation, what your business looks like, what your revenue and annual income is, how you're structured, you name it. Um, but I think ultimately the, the death tax uh, exclusion limits are probably the top tier uh, priority for us to fix in addition to that valuation discount issue. So, um, you know, name of the game right now is making sure that our producers are able to transition their business on to the next generation, regardless of whether or not it's their, you know, direct lineal descendant. They're lucky to have a, a son or a daughter who's able to take over the operation, able and willing, uh, or they want to pass their operation on to somebody else outside the family um, in a way that, you know, allows beginning farmers and ranchers equitable access and, uh, you know, an ease of entry into ag production, I guess you could say. Okay, so let's, let's go back and talk about uh, the champions for agriculture in regards to uh, tax proposals and go back again and talk about stepped up in basis. So recently, uh, the House Agriculture Committee had a full committee hearing on the state of the livestock and uh, USDA Secretary Vilsack um, was on one of the panels there and stepped up basis did come up in regards to uh, some of the information that came out of USDA saying that 
uh, you know, the repeal of stepped up in basis actually will not impact that. I believe he said, you know, 98% of farms and ranches, which is a different story than what we've been hearing from the Barnyard Coalition in D.C. and a number of others. So can you help us unpack that a little bit about why uh, the USDA secretary um, is not singing the same song as, you know, those of us in agriculture regarding the repeal of stepped up basis? So there are three different studies quantifying impact for agriculture from three different land grants across the country. And they those studies, that data indicates that there would be significant impact for farmers and ranchers across the board. Uh, USDA, when they did their study, um, it's really interesting how they framed it because basically they included every agricultural producer in the United States with more than $1,000 in annual gross sales. Uh, that is, I think, in my opinion, inflating the numbers in their favor. Um, because if you have $1,000 in annual gross sales, you could be a hobby farmer. Uh, it's very likely that agricultural production is not how you make your living. Um, if you dive into the data, though, and really dial it in, um, USDA's data does indicate that um, there would be greater impact based on the size of your operation. So, um, you know, 80% of large farms and 96% of very large farms would see new tax burdens under the president's plan. And that's based on the USDA ERS data. Um, and, you know, more than, I think it's about 65% uh, of all agricultural farmland would be impacted because those are the very large and large operators that own that farmland. Um, so, I, I mean, it's unfortunate that they are sort of towing the line, um, but, uh, you know, Mr. Vilsack was uh, appointed by President Biden, and I think he has to defend the party line. But we have real data that indicates the opposite, and we're going to continue banging the drum here because ultimately, um, you know, if you make a living off of agricultural production, you are critical to our nation's food security and the exact opposite type of individual who uh, should be faced with these new tax burdens. I mean, if you tax producers out of business, that is a very real problem for our country. Absolutely. So thank you for clarifying that. And you're going to love the segue uh, talking about taxes. So there's been a lot of rumors floating around about a cow tax uh, that has been included, I believe, in one of the infrastructure packages, the rumor that it was is going to be included in one of the infrastructure packages. So can you help us clarify, is this cow tax kind of factor crap? Can you can you can you help us um, decide which bucket that goes in? It is some bull, Ashley. <laughs> um, so if you recall the reconciliation process, um, that budget resolution required all 13 House committees to mark up different proposals um, under their respective jurisdiction. And so the Energy and Commerce Committee marked up a proposal with a host of different you know, energy initiatives. Um, and you know, in it, they included a new, um, they, they authorized EPA to begin collecting fees for uh, methane emissions. However, it does not impose any sort of fee on agricultural entities. The fee is very specific to petroleum and natural gas systems. This is really, really wonky, but it's under the Greenhouse Gas Reporting Program the bill text references subpart W of part 98 of title 40 <laughs> of the greenhouse gas CFR to the code of federal regulations. When you write a bill like that, if you look at the bill language, 
that won't grant EPA the authority to go outside of subpart W. They are only authorized to collect fees on whatever is included under subpart W, which is petroleum and natural gas. Agriculture is actually under subpart JJ. Uh, and so because there's no reference to subpart JJ, there is no methane tax on agricultural producers or, you know, livestock specifically. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, what we saw play out here was um, a lot of misinformation. You know, there was uh, an entity or an organization that was asked to provide some theoretical impact data. They did. And um, the, the caveat of this doesn't impact ag, but if it did, here's what it would look like, was completely left out. And a lot of members took it and ran with it. Um, they, they said, this is exactly how ag will be impacted. That is not accurate. And, you know, candidly, it's concerning and disappointing because there are so many real tax concerns at hand right now. I think that this is a distraction from the real issues at hand. We need our producers to be banging the drum, um, pounding pavement on the hill, talking to all of their, you know, members, elected officials about stepped up basis because we're not in the clear quite yet. They need to be talking about the death tax. They need to be talking about how uh, important the tax code is for Manual, managing their annual tax burden and also ensuring that there's a smooth transition to the next generation of producers. Okay, thank you for clarifying that and uh, helping us, you know, confirm which bucket that actually belongs in. So let's talk about kind of next steps. So we have this now continuing resolution. Uh, we have until uh, December 3rd for the government to kind of continue to be open and operate somewhat business as usual. So what's the next steps for you all? What are you guys going to be working on between now and then? Uh, what should our members know about what is going to happen or what could happen uh, between now and then? You know, our main focus in the DC office uh, this entire year has been fighting for, you know, common sense tax policies for rural America. And until this deal is done, and until, you know, both chambers have voted and a deal is sent to the president's desk for signature, we're going to continue fighting. Um, because as you know, there's nothing that isn't subject to change on Capitol Hill. Uh, and we we really need to continue fighting, leaving no stone unturned until we are in the clear. And there's going to be a lot of work that needs to happen between now and uh, when this is all over that, that has to happen. So that's what we're focusing on. But um, we're also going to continue fighting for all the policy priorities that um, you know, our producers have given us marching orders on ensuring that there's flexibility in transportation, that there's continuity in um, mandatory price reporting for our cattle producers, that uh, LMR maintains uh, its authorization through the CR and in whatever funding package or um, standalone authorizing bill comes forward. Um, you know, we're, we've got a, a host of different issues and initiatives that we work on here in the DC office. Uh, and we've got a really solid team who will be working together in order to go, get that done. Okay, so we would love to have you on our podcast every week, but obviously we cannot monopolize your time. So if folks wanted to learn more and kind of keep up with what you guys are all working on, uh, where can folks go to do that? I would say uh, policy.ncba.org is the best way for folks to engage with their elected officials on Capitol Hill. And it's also the best way to learn more about what we're doing here in the DC office. Um, we have links to our Twitter, our Facebook, um, all of our social media platforms available there. Please follow us along on social media because we are constantly updating. We were live tweeting from the uh, House Agriculture hearing this week. Um, we, we're really excited about putting as much information out there that's credible, solid information and letting folks know everything that we're doing here in DC and it's all available uh, on our, our website and social media platforms.
Yeah, absolutely. And if people are listening to this podcast and you're into podcasts, the Beltway Beef podcast is also kind of a must listen to for the latest and greatest information. So Danielle, is there anything else our members or listeners should know before we go? I would say that it is critically important uh, that you reach out to your members of Congress. Never underestimate the power of your own voice. As a constituent, all politics are local, and your elected officials in Washington, D.C. care about what you have to say, and they need to hear from you. So if you haven't reached out yet, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, And again, policy.ncba.org is the best way to do that. Fantastic. And again, for those of you listening, uh, we have Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association on the Nebraska Cattlemen Heard It Here podcast. I'm Ashley Cole, your Vice President of Government Affairs, and thank you again for joining us.